Hello, and welcome to another episode of How Are You Holding Up, a mental health podcast by the depressed for the depressed. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Chris. And the first question I want to ask is, Chris, how are you holding up? Uh. <laughs> oh, yeah, me too. So so both of us are in a, an interesting mood tonight. Um, tonight's topic, neither of us really want to go into. Nope. But it is such an important topic that we can't avoid it, obviously. This is literally a topic that not only has been requested, but is so personal to both of us uh, that it can't be avoided. I know it's important for both people who are depressed and people who aren't depressed to hear about what it's like and how to deal with being in a relationship. How can you be a functional partner? If you can barely take care of yourself. Yeah. Or on the opposite end of the spectrum. How to support somebody who is depressed and still be healthy and happy and not feel like they're therapist. So I'm not super uh, proud of myself for how I have behaved in the past relationships. Nor am I. I'm not particularly proud of myself. Um. Um. <laughs> I would like to also mention... That we are not professionals, uh, we're not therapists, we are just having a conversation here. And some of the things that we're going to be talking about probably don't fall under the spectrum of necessarily depression. It might be other issues that we have <laughs> that are like just bad habits or, you know. Yeah, just, just personality defects, if anything. Yeah, so we will try to stay on the topic of... Um, being in love and in a relationship while depressed and how to be functional partner, um, our experiences with it, and then also on the flip side, the experience of being the healthy, happy, non-depressed person. Which I can definitely start us off. Um, the majority of my relationships have always been kind of a, a roller coaster ride of being the not-depressed person uh, and taking care of, or at least being a sort of I guess the only way to really put it, surrogate therapist for the person that I was in a relationship with. A lot of times it would always come down to a certain degree of nobody else was there, and so it was up to me to kind of maintain balance, which is not fair. So what would that look like, like a, on a maybe day-to-day -day for you? So on a day-to-day -day basis, it was it was a combination of a multitude of factors for me where it was you were either walking on eggshells which is just a fancy way of saying watching your words and not saying anything that would potentially upset your partner. You could be in any sort of relationship, but if you felt like you, you couldn't have the freedom to speak your mind for fear of either sending them into a rage or sending them into a depressive spiral or not being, or being branded as not supportive. It was a number of things that would just kind of, you'd have to tip through tiptoe through this minefield of emotional imbalance. What would you say characterized it as more of a depressive partner rather than just like an abusive partner who used emotions as a manipulation tool? A lot of the times it, it it's kind of um it's a really good question actually. In my experience, here's the thing, for the majority of the women that I've been in relationships with, it wasn't just depression that they were going through. A lot of times there was an element of either 
bipolar disorder or borderline personality disorder or even just a high threshold of anxiety that would let kind of transform their thoughts in such a way that they couldn't necessarily control them as well as they would hope to. Mm -hmm. So they would a lot of times know that what they were doing or what they were thinking was wrong. Mm -hmm. And it would be up to me to just kind of have to reinforce that idea of just like, well, no, it's your thoughts are your thoughts, but, but what you're, what you're feeling right now is valid. But, but coming to this conclusion feels like a jump. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of it for, for me was like an abusive relationship. You, you feel that there is a certain degree of control mm -hmm. behind the thoughts and actions and you feel like maybe it's a power play. Yeah. It's either a power play or they're, or they're utilizing more sophisticated techniques like gaslighting. Right. right, right. Uh, somebody who, you know, in my experience, at least people who typically tell you that what you're, what you're thinking is wrong mm -hmm. and that, you know, you're crazy to be thinking that way. There's more sophistication mm -hmm. in in them coming to that conclusion as opposed to a more paranoid conclusion that you would experience with somebody who's bipolar or borderline, which is just you're out to you're also against me. Mm. You're just you're just here to make me more miserable or how dare you think that they're right. You're supposed to be my my boyfriend. How did you keep it health? Did, were you able to have any healthy relationships that functioned well? That's a really good question, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> like we said, we're not therapists. <laughs> no, honestly, like, I, I, I look back at the relationships that I've had, and a lot of the times I don't, I don't necessarily feel that they, I've ever had, a, like, a healthy 100% relationship. It's always felt like there was... There was something that was holding it back from being healthy, mm -hmm. either an imbalance or maybe there was a lack of communication. Mm -hmm. Almost always came down to communication being the big breakdown. For me, I always was so giving, like too giving, self-detrimental giving, where I would, I would, would give and give and give. And, uh, Hoping, praying that whatever I did would somehow fix them. Right. Which devolves into a, a selfish spiral of you sitting there going, No, I'm good enough. I can make this happen. I can fix anything. I'm right. the fucking great white knight. You're not. <laughs> you're not. You're not there to fix someone. You're there to... You're partners. You're supposed to be 50-50. Or... What I've heard, the best way I've heard it put, you're supposed to be in a relationship that's 60-40 with both parties wanting to be the 60. That's nice. That's the way it should be. Yeah. And for my experience, I don't know. I, I find myself just drawn to a sort of toxic environment. And that's always been my downfall. The person that I dated, who I think at the time was having more depression than I was, I believe also may have been an alcoholic. So I dealt with extreme emotional 
changes with him. And so when he wasn't drinking and he was sober, he was a very different person. So he went through, but he went through a depression where he lost his job and he uh, lost the place that he was renting from and he had to move back home. Mm-hmm. And he just started spending a lot of time at my house and we were fairly new into the relationship. So it was exciting, but it was also confusing because I would come home from work and he would have been playing video games all day and I would walk in. He wouldn't even stand up and hug me or say like, welcome home or smile at me. And he would just kind of look at me and then look back at the video game and keep playing. Mm. And when you're new in a relationship, you're still feeling kind of nervous and vulnerable and you haven't really established a norm yet. And so it's really hurtful and confusing. Mm-hmm. Um, and for him, his depression was just very closed off. He didn't really open up to me. I didn't know what was going on. Everything I said was wrong. Mm. My attempts to reach out were controlling. Um, or maybe some of that was true. But I know that for me, it just felt like I couldn't do anything right. And it felt draining and exhausting. And, and I just missed him. He, it was like he was gone. It wasn't him anymore. Um, so that was my one strong example of me being the non-depressed person. I'm usually the person who has the depression. And um, I think what I would like to do in the future anyway is Chris and I would like to have couples in maybe and interview or talk with them about kind of what it's like to be and how they how they function um, well and how they take care of each other when one is going into that depression. Absolutely. Um I was going to say um, that there's also, um, in my experience at least, I feel like when when the person I was with was getting into a depressive episode, I would find myself like trying to almost absorb their depression, like take it away. Like yeah, it it was a thing where I would I would like I would absorb their sorrow and I would just let them empty themselves into me to a point where I couldn't even mm. like I was so emotionally drained by the end of a day yeah. and I felt so like you come home the best example I feel is you you pick someone up from work every day you ask them how their day is right mm-hmm. every single day they say Oh, it was horrible, or oh, it was miserable, or oh, this was this day sucked, or mm. just day in, day out, day after day, week after week, month after month, and after a while, you're 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 sitting there just wondering, well, wh- why why are you so miserable at this job? What is it about this that why why aren't you doing anything to change it? Why aren't you doing anything to fix it? Why can't why can't you just take some initiative and just change? What the fuck is going on? Because the rest of the time, they, they, they'll pour that into you and then you feel like, oh, okay, maybe they're going to be happy now because they got it, they got it out, out of their system. Yeah. And, and, but it was so consistent. You, as somebody who isn't going through a depression at the time, you're like, whoa, what the fuck? <laughs> I imagine it must be really hard when you've never experienced depression or it's just been very mild, when you see somebody who just doesn't seem to want to change their circumstances, how frustrating it must be where it's like, 
I know you are a capable person. I know that you're a smart person. Why don't you have more energy? Why don't you do something about it? Why, you want to lose weight? Well, why don't we work out together? Here, let me buy you a pair of running shoes. Mm-hmm. Why are you still not getting it? Why are you mad at me for buying your... Wait, whoa. You know, like, mm-hmm. it's... I can see where that frustration comes from, and I can see why it is debilitating. Um, yeah. <laughs> so from this part of being the depressed person, my experience with it... And then we'll get to the part of how to be functional. (laughs) So my experience with being a toxic, depressed person is, I think when you don't really have a lot of knowledge on what depression is or what is supposed to be healthy, Mm -hmm. it's very difficult to be a good partner anyway, let alone dealing with mental health illness. Um, So I was somebody who, I think I've mentioned it in the past, I would almost get high off of people. Like mm-hmm. they would just be make me happy. And all this attention I was getting and suddenly it was like all these endorphins that I don't usually get and dopamine and serotonin, all these really fun, happy chemicals that I don't naturally really produce very much of. <laughs> suddenly we're just being dumped in my system and it's addictive. Oh, and yeah. so once that stopped being there once you know your relationship inevitably kind of levels out of the honeymoon stage and it becomes hey we're a partnership well, it should always be a partnership but more of a we're doing a day-to-day grind together it was like well why aren't you doing the things that make well why aren't you doing more well i'm going through this and and it i've kind of used this low energy and the sadness and the whatever and i was the victim mm-hmm. i often allowed myself to be the victim of the circumstance or a, they needed, and, and I fell into a role where I wanted them to be a caretaker for me. Yeah. And it felt really comfortable and happy for me. And I know now that wanting companionship and wanting to be happy, that's not wrong. Mm-hmm. But the way that I was and how the manipulation started coming out and the victimizing and the just letting myself kind of fall apart in a relationship, it wasn't fair. And, um, and I regret a lot of it. I I think I hurt a lot of people and I never meant to, you don't go into it meaning to. And I actually feel like sometimes when I look back on it, I might've even fallen into the abusive category. And I don't know if that's true, but I think a lot of people who can be labeled as abusive don't know that they're being abusive because they were taught bad habits and bad relationship tactics growing up. So it's their norm. Mm -hmm. Um, but some of the stuff I did definitely was at least unhealthy. And so... And I'm terrified of being in a relationship now because I don't want to put someone through that. And I don't want to go through that where I feel like this person is becoming my center of everything. And that might not be depression, but I think a lot of it has to do with, again, the happy chemicals coming from this. Um, and I and I would, yeah, I would get into just the slumps. The slumps are so hard when you suddenly are, you're exhausted and you can't do anything and you feel like everything's shit and this other person suddenly needs your support as a person with depression. It's like, I don't know how, sometimes it's, it feels good to be needed and to be, but sometimes it's like, you can't conjure up the feelings. You can't, they're not even really there anymore because you're just kind of in a gray area and you want to be loving of this person to be there and you just can't yeah um and i think what it comes down to is um is how to learn how to take care of yourself when you're 
when you're going into the slumps, becoming aware of yourself. I think step one is if you have depression, you need to take it upon yourself as this is something you have and you need to start learning about what that means for you as an individual, what that means, what kind of stuff is out there to help you, and then how to address when you're starting to go into it so that you can be a good friend, a good lover, a good family member, you know, yeah. to, and not good as in like you were bad when you're depressed, but be more present. Mm-hmm. I had a unique experience in my last relationship in that I went into it not depressed. I went into the relationship feeling really, really good about myself and who I was. And events happened over the course of that relationship that I look back on and I realized that it was just this kind of downhill spiral that I let happen, where I could have been taking better care of myself or I could have been doing more. But something about the abyss and the void called to me where either I felt I didn't deserve to be happy, I didn't deserve to be in a good place, I didn't deserve to be cared for and about. And at that point, I really kind of hit my stride in really dedicating my headspace to this negativity and this self-hate and almost self-flagellating behavior where everything I did was wrong and everything I felt was, was just another part of the problem. And as a result, the person I was with, I could only really say... Yeah, there were some there were some bits of abuse on both parties for sure. Like emotional abuse. Emotional emotional abuse guaranteed. It was it was it was so cuz I mean people who've never been with a depressed person or you've been in a good relationship and that's and that's what you know. Imagine the person you love and you've known them for a while. You've known them for for years. And you watch them slowly but surely killing themselves. Like, it's not, it's not all at once. And it's not something that has any perceivable pattern. You are just watching them deteriorate in front of you. Everything you do is completely and totally hopeless and helpless. And, and you feel defeated at every turn because... No matter what you try and no matter how hard you fight to save that person that you love and care about, they are ultimately in control of their own destiny and they are determined as hell to destroy themselves. You you can't truly grasp a level of desperation quite like that. Even just thinking about it now, I'm I'm like... I can only imagine what it must have been like for my partner to have seen me so dedicated in my cause of hating myself when all they thought of me was love. It breeds more hatred and it breeds discontent and it breeds misery. Misery. 
and Misery sure as fuck loves company. I think that's the thing is when you're really depressed, you, you fucking hate yourself. You hate yourself and it disgusts you and it pisses you off almost that people love you and want you to be better and want you to be healthy and want you to, you know, and it's like you feel when you're depressed, you feel like it's selfish that they want any more from you because you are barely able to do anything. And it's, it's so frustrating for both parties and it's so difficult and prevalent right now. I mean, if you just look at our TVs and, you know, news, just the, how many people who are successful mm-hmm. and in high positions are, mm-hmm. you know, you get a, you get a real bitterness that develops in you. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's all you can do to try and hold it together. <laughs> Which leads us to being a functioning depressed person Yes. in a relationship. And there's only one thing that we can really say, and I'm going to get real close to the mic for this one. <laughs> Fucking communication. For all the people in the back, fucking communication! Don't just sit there and let the other person... You think... Assuming... <laughs> Like, that the other person knows what you're going through, or they're psychic, or they somehow can read your mind and just be like, no, I know what you're going through, and it's okay, let's, we'll get better together. No, you need to communicate. Yeah. You need to be able to just sit there and just go, hey, I'm feeling like shit right now, this is what I need, this is what we can do. If you can't come up with something, then it's okay. You don't have to know the answers, you just have to let your partner know, hey, I'm not doing real good right now. Just just that level of honesty and open communication can do so much for so many people. If we took one thing from fucking kindergarten, that's the sharing that matters. (laughs) I don't give a fuck if you want to... You want to borrow my Tonka truck? No. Fuck you. It's mine. But I will tell you that. Because sharing is caring. So yes, I agree with you. (laughs) I also think um, when you're not in a depression, uh, if you can, write down the signs of what you think are your signs of you're going to start falling into the depression. And maybe, I don't know, this might sound a little bit too frou-frou for some people, but like having a notebook of like, these are the things that will probably happen. These are the people who help me when I am in that, like I'm going to need five. I just recommend people having you know, if you can get up three to five people that are your support system that you can contact because your partner, your the person that you're in love with or the person that you're dating or being sexual with or whatever is not your therapist and they are, it's not their job to make you happy. They want you to be happy. Yes. But it's not fair to expect them to be able to... You have to be able to work on loving yourself. You have to be able to work on... Um, spoiling yourself when you see that your depression's coming on spoil the shit out of yourself mm-hmm. take long warm baths listen to audiobooks choose to eat healthy food not like spoiling i'm gonna eat eight gallons of ice cream and binge watch friends no that's not what i mean by spoiling <laughs> i mean really taking an active step and being overly healthy to yourself yeah. 
And just being accountable for your actions. You can feel all those crappy feelings and that's okay. But it's your, again, it's your actions and how you treat your partner. Like Chris said, communicate, reach out, Mm -hmm. let them know, Hey, I'm still here. I still care about you. I'm just going through some time right now. And I'm, I, I still care. (laughs) I just need you to know. And I'm going to be the first to admit very, very clearly, I may be the one pushing for communication. I am fucking garbage (laughs) at communicating my thoughts and feelings a lot of the time because I don't want to be a burden. And I know there are plenty of people out there who can definitely sympathize with that. They, they, there's, there's so many folks who've been through the ringer and they've been with people who've been through hell and you feel like, we don't feel you have no self worth. You don't want to. You don't want to burden them. You like, don't. Yeah. You, you feel like you're nothing. So why would you even want to put that on somebody? Like it's just. It's almost like you just. It almost hurts your skin to yeah. think about it. No, it's it's it's, true. it's. You see a friend who's carrying their own backpack, but your backpack is like a ton, and you feel like it's maybe heavier than theirs. Yeah. But you don't know that. You don't know what's in the backpack. The backpack is there as a visual comparison, but. It, <laughs> it, I think I think one of the things also that that really doesn't get talked about enough is while you're in a relationship, you also have to set boundaries. Mm-hmm. It, this is not a bad thing to do, mm-hmm. right? Like you set a boundary with any relationship you're in, whether it's professional, whether it's a friendship or romantic or whatever it is, you you have a you have a limit of and you have a right to it. You have a limit and a right to having a limit of just, hey, I need to not be here right now, or I need yeah. to be alone. Having personal space, having personal alone time, having time with your friends and not your partner. Taking yourself on a date. Yeah. Take yourself on a date. When you are single or in a relationship, treat yourself like you would treat somebody that you are romantically involved with. You know, just, just just take yourself on a nice date. Go dancing with yourself in a weird, non-sexual way. Is there anything you can think of um, as a depressed person that you can do for your partner before we move on to the partner who's not depressed? Absolutely. And I think the most important thing that you can do as a depressed person for your partner, really communicate, because this is something that I had to go through a lot, If something that your partner is worried about is that it's their fault. A lot of times when you're a depressed person and your part and your your partner's there and they're right next to you and all you've done that day maybe is like hang out, maybe cuddle in bed, watch some movies, but you're getting really depressed, you're getting really down. A lot of times people will start blaming themselves. And that's a normal reaction when if all you have evidence of is well, all we did today was just, like, hang out in bed. Did I do something wrong? Did I fuck up? Right. Like, that's don't not just... Don't stop being loving. Don't stop being loving. Make sure that whoever you're with knows, like, hey, I am I may not be my best right now. Again, it comes down to communication. It yeah. really is. And the thing is, like, you're not going to feel no. like being loving. And you might not feel like being patient and you might not feel like you can do these things or it's going to take a lot of energy for you to do those things. Mm-hmm. But as being 
as being a person in a committed relationship, when you got committed to them, that's part of your contract is you still need to take care of them. And I, and it's hard and it's exhausting, but just still trying to make those little things, still doing little nice things, being like, Hey, I'm depressed, but I drew you a picture today. You know, mm-hmm. just like it, I, I think it's just, it's important to mention those things because sometimes you forget, you get so caught up in your self-loathing and your, your own issues that you, you forget that the person's still there and they didn't change and their chemistry didn't change and they're confused and they miss you. And then let's move on to if you are not depressed and you're in a relationship with somebody who is lovely and depressed daintily depressed mm-hmm. <laughs> daintily depressed dashingly depressed um what you can do to support them i would like to first of all say everybody who goes through depression kind of uh goes through it differently so i can't speak for everyone when i give what advice would i would give for myself <laughs> um and also you are not their therapist it is not your job to pull them out of their depression nope. to fix that depression to nope. find the source of that depression um, it will help you to know kind of what triggers they might have that could possibly set it off just so you have a heads up, but it's not your job to figure that out. If that makes sense? Yeah, it does. But some things that I think would help is don't forget to keep sharing what problems you're having. Because for me, what ends up happening when I'm depressed is I get so caught up in my own pain and what's not working out for me and how I feel like I'm li- literally will never be happy again and that's so terrifying to feel that, um, is hearing somebody else's problems kind of pulls me out of that downward sucking spiral and into somebody else's world and they're sharing with me and I get to think about what they're going through. So don't stop sharing the stuff that you're going through. Mm-hmm. Um, I think being aware that they might need a little, and this might piss some people off, but a little bit of a positive push, like, hey, Let's go for a walk today. I don't want to go for a walk. That's okay, but we're going to go for one anyway, maybe, with the dog <laughs> or something, you know? Or let's do, like, try to have some kind of little goals and little fun things that you, like, if you, if you go, if we go on a walk together, we can watch, like, three episodes tonight. Mm. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, bargaining works really well, honestly. <laughs> like, you get to a point where the other person is just like, no, I don't want to do that. And you'd be like, what if I do a thing that you really like? And they'll be like, oh. And no, it's not your fault that they're going through it. And also, I am sorry that you are having this. As a person who is depressed and has put many people who are not depressed through it, I apologize for all of us. We don't want you to suffer. Yeah. I, I, I honestly... I wish that there was a cure-all for this kind of thing mm-hmm. where if if uh, if you were having a depressive episode and all you needed was your partner to be your <laughs> your antidepressant that'd be super sweet. Yeah, doesn't work that way. It doesn't, but it's, you know, for you what would help you though? If you were depressed and you're with a partner, how, what kind of support do you think would be healthy? not codependent Mm. and still easy for the other partner to give. Oh man, you cut out the cut the codependence. I don't know. That's (laughs) that's a toughie right there. Because for some people when they're depressed, they don't want you to try to help them better themselves. They're not going to want you to, they can barely. 
We can barely be responsible for bettering ourselves, let alone having somebody else try to be the jump start. Yeah. Continue taking care of yourself. Don't start trying to overtake care of them. Mm-hmm. Um, Don't you know. guilt them. Yeah, no guilting. Don't guilt them for 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 feeling the way they do and for for not doing as much as you feel they should be. Even if they may think the same thing, and believe me, a lot of times we do. It's it's not going to help to just kind of rub our nose in it. It's it's not. It's, like imagine if you have eight liters of love to give, and suddenly they get sucked down to two liters of love, and they've got themselves. They've got the dog, they've got their mom, they've got the coworkers, the friends, the best friend who's going through something, and you, that's seven, you know, people, they've only got two liters, and they're definitely not going to pour that liter into themselves. Mm-hmm. Like, there's only so much they can give, mm-hmm. and just supporting someone, you know, being physically affectionate, still watching stuff that makes people laugh, putting on some happy music while you're doing stuff. I know that that sounds kind of like, eh, but it's it's... When I'm around someone who's listening to happy music or like they're watching something silly and I start giggling with them, it can kind of pull me out a little bit. And instead of us sitting there together, talking about deep, scary, dark feelings, Mm -hmm. crying and holding each other day after day, eating garbage in bed, (laughs) it doesn't (laughs) help. Don't get sucked into the void. Don't don't enable us to be able to destroy ourselves more efficiently. It's so easy to do, but my god. So in summary... Communicate, as I have said, and take care of yourselves. And that goes for both parties. Yes. You don't have to be suffering from depression to take care of yourself. And that's important, especially in a relationship, no matter what. Take care of yourself. Take care of each other. Just be good. Be good people. Be good people. Yeah. And on that note, we have a very special dear to our heart, feel good of the week. Yes. Finally available on digital at this current moment. I believe it was out last week. Um, Won't You Be My Neighbor is finally available for digital download. It is the Mr. Rogers documentary. Chris and I went to go see this in theaters and wept many times. Mm -hmm. And it had a really profound effect on me. And I think I can speak for you as well. It it was really emotional. And I think the takeaway was just the amount of empathy that is needed for children, but also just as a community and needing to have that community and care and love, regardless of race or gender or um, Mm -hmm. orientation. So, and it was really what kind of started this podcast, actually, for me. We sat down afterwards and we were talking about how can we help, mm-hmm. how can we create a community, and how can we, what do we have in common? Because we were thinking about doing YouTubes or podcasts in general, and yes. then we decided that we wanted to help people. Absolutely. And we had this in common. Yes. <laughs> we sure as hell did. I would like to also, since the uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor is uh, available, there's also a subreddit that is kind of dedicated to a similar cause. It is uh, the Church of Rogers <laughs> subreddit, which is literally just a place of... it. They are so amazingly wholesome. I've never really encountered an internet community quite like it. It's 
It's really legit. Uh, so by all means, give, go ahead, check them out there. They're currently super excited by the fact that the Good Neighbor, which is apparently a uh, a biography and uh, whatnot on Mister Rogers, is going to be having an audiobook come out soon, <laughs> read by Lavar Burton, which is going to be That's awesome. Lovely. It's going to be so good. So thank you again so much for listening to this, and I think we're going to probably come out with a few parts of. Uh, being in love and in a relationship healthily while depressed or with a depressed person. Yes, we're definitely going to have at least another couple episodes of this down the line, but this is basically uh, our primer episode, if anything. Um, and in the future episodes, we're definitely going to have those interviews and uh, Q&As if you've got any. Yeah, so thank you so much for listening. We love you guys. We appreciate all the support so, so, so much. Yes. It makes it worth it to keep recording these. <laughs> Uh, and of course, follow us on Instagram at Hey Who Podcast, like the Facebook page. And if you want to send us anything directly, you can always shoot an email at mailbag at com. It'll be in the description. And as always, don't, don't tell, tell us, us to, to just, just get, get over it. it.